Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Real Estate Podcast, the intersection between the latest trends in real estate and its impact on our everyday lives. We're your hosts, Alex Norman. And Jamie Blonde, and you've come to the right location. The real estate starts now. In today's episode, House Call, we explore the intersection of real estate and telemedicine. Our guest, Michael Hines, is a board-certified radiologist with over 15 years' experience. He was schooled at the University of Michigan, did his residency at Cornell, and he is a leader in the telemedicine revolution, reading films from his home office for over 12 years. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Jamie and Alex. Welcome to the show, Michael. So, Michael, tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into this field. Um. I'm from Michigan originally and went to undergrad at Michigan, did my undergrad in uh, chemical engineering and cellular molecular biology and got the exact job I've been dreaming of for years. Um, Unfortunately, didn't hadn't had the forethought at that age to realize that those jobs are only available in the middle of nowhere because it was biotech. And at the time, the only place to get uh, to open a biotech facility was to do it somewhere in the middle of nowhere where you can get environmental concessions and stuff. So after a year of working there um, and not having a single date for an entire year, because there was, I was in a town full of uh, like 10,000 engineers, 90% of them men. So uh, I decided to go back to medical school and uh, I, well, I decided to go to medical school and uh, went into medicine. And um, during uh, my senior, my last year of medicine, I was lucky enough to date a uh, radiology resident uh, who turned me on to the whole thing about radiology. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that. It sounded like you were either going to go to medicine or or join the church. (laughs) Okay. Uh, The good news is, is that um, uh, I'm sure we all thank you for your service. Um, So tell me about radiology and and aside from being motivated by a woman, <laughs> there has to be some reason why why you wanted to get into the, into this wonderful profession. Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, in the hospital, um, you know, everybody goes in to help people, and unfortunately, you know, a lot of times in the hospital, you, you know, you're just you're overworked, and there's just a lot of um, a lot of personalities going on. Um, and so it just, it, it, uh, it's just a lot to deal with. And in radiology, every time I would go down to like get a, you know, I would get sent down by my attending to go get a film read. I go down to the radiology suite and everybody's like, relaxed. there's music playing. Um, everybody's happy and, you know, oh, sure. I'll take, them, you know, I'll, I'll take all the time you need. And just that positive energy that came from all the radiologists when I was down there. And the difference in lifestyle, I mean, like, so like they had the, at the time, the radiology in the basement of the hospital. So to get something read emergently, you would have to take the films down. And it was just like every other floor in the hospital just had a completely different energy. And uh, so, yeah, that's how I got into radiology. But usually the, like the basement of the hotels where the bodies are (laughs) are buried or something like that. Yeah. It's like right past the, right past the, uh, cadaver room would be the <laughs> radiology room well that was the whole thing though that's where it was in almost every hospital it was like you know you put the radiologist in the least valuable real estate 
with no windows because they, you know, can't, they don't need light. And so, you know, at the time, as I said, it was all film and to go down there to get something emergently read was the only way that you were going to get it done in time. And so, um, when I was, a, when I went into radiology residency, the computer viewed CTs were just starting to become a thing. And, but you know, that was in New York, which was like way far advanced than, you know, the rest of the country. And so they were getting the first of the PAX machines. And so, um, that made it so that instead of like, you know, hanging films all day long and going through a roller, um, you were sitting down in a chair at a computer and, you know, looking at three different screens and, um, that's kind of like, uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of changed the whole job actually. So when you're going down there, if the attendant took a right, you were great. If the attendant took a left, you were in big trouble. In other words, down in the basement. Um, yeah, fortunately they had really good air, uh, air conditioning and you didn't <laughs> smell it too bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I didn't wouldn't, wouldn't want to be the guy coming back with lunch. But um, for our listeners, really briefly, I mean, do you read everything? X-rays, CT scans, MRIs. Do do do, um, do radiologists have a have a speciality, or are you general? And if so, what what's the difference when you're reading these different diff, different uh, different films? Yeah, most people most people have a specialty. Um, you know, I, I did mine in IR and then was working in an emergency room down in North Carolina uh, doing, you know, what was, was supposed to start out as I, you know, mostly IR with, as I said, they were doing like three or four CTs a night. And then um, the technology for the CT scans, you know, they went from like a one slice scanner to a four slice scanner to a 16 slice in a matter of like, you know, six, seven years, you know, the, the price dropped enough that, you know, all these hospitals out everywhere could afford the really fast scanners. And now, you know, within a matter of three to four years, they went from doing, you know, four or five CTs a night to 30 a night. And so my job went from reading some work to, and doing a lot of IR stuff to do, reading mostly uh, scans. And eventually they brought in a person just to do IR uh, because I preferred the, di the diagnostic radiology. And so that's really fascinating. So that's, that's a growing industry, it sounds like. I mean, but this is, you started 14, 15 years ago. And I'd imagine over this period of time, there's been leapfrogs in tech and the, the availability and accessibility of what you do being so pervasive that the volume of work must have quadrupled. Yeah, probably even more than that. Um, and you know, it was like, I, we went from like nothing to like having uh, a list that we were four hours behind on. They started having, um, you know, I would usually start at seven o'clock and the people would stay with me till 10. They started having, you know, not just one person stay with me till 10, but two guys stay with me till 2 AM. And I was still all night long, just drowning. And, you know, but, and so then because though, like at that time also the internet bandwidth was picking up and so it became easier, uh, to transport the images. And so we took on a couple other contracts as well with other hospitals. And so they were starting to feed us their stuff. So, so Michael, um, 
Are you the first line of defense? When I have something bothering me and I go to the doctor, the first thing he says now is, we'll send you for an MRI or send you for a CAT scan. You know, I had something, they sent me for a CAT scan, then they find something on the CAT scan, they want the MRI. But when I'm at the doctor's office and they get the results, the results are written up, I assume, by you, uh, from what you see. And based on that, they go right into treatment and talking to me. I mean, really, you're really the diagnose. You're, you're the diagnosis, right? Yeah, and that's really the part of radiology that I like the most when I looked into it. It's, you have to be, as far as information goes, you probably know more information about the entire field of medicine, um, you know, than any other specialty. Because uh, most specialties like hone in, we broaden out and take in everything. And no blood. You don't, you don't have to deal with any blood. No blood. You don't have to touch a patient. Was that, was that when you were in medical school, like, you know what, give me the, what's the line with no blood? I'll be in that line. Fantastic. I work from home, no blood. It's perfect. You know, I find that like, you say download speeds. I remember when people were stressing out about bandwidth in their homes because we were concerned about whether or not we could download porn fast enough. I think that, you know, it's, it's, it, it really, you know, what you do is so important and the information that's shared over, over the wires is so important uh, that, that, you know, that you need speeds to match. Right. But I'm sure privacy is also big too. Right. And I think, you know, today everyone's concerned about privacy. Everyone's concerned about the internet and, and secure connections. Now you're getting patient data that's going over these wires. I'm sure that there's got to be some huge privacy concerns in terms of your internet access. Right. No, absolutely. Um, that's, you know, not just of the internet access. I have to have um, my setup in a room that nobody's going to come into. Uh, I'm not allowed to have anybody in the room while I'm reading or working. Uh, the computer access, you know, to log on, you know, there's multiple uh, steps to, to multiple, multi-login, I don't know what you call it. And, you know, and it's, uh, you know, I'm not a technical guy, but, I, you know, it's, a, we have a VPN um with and with a second another thing on top of that like some weird box that they added on as so well it's super it's super safe but but uh, yeah. that, that 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 gets in let's get into a bit of telemedicine because you're a leader in the whole telemedicine movement which of course covid probably accelerated 10 years worth of time in a year um so you're talking about security and being able to to move the data around. What what about the physical aspect of your home? Do you need, if you're a radiologist, you have to buy a home that's bigger so you can have a specific room to have that equipment and, and cool that equipment and protect that equipment. What's the dynamic from the homeowner's point of view to do what you do? Yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely, uh, you need a, a, a room just for that. So you're gonna need to, you know, factor that in um right now a lot of people are starting to go to you know because this is something that you know somebody sitting at a desk for like 10 to 12 hours a day is not something the human body is really supposed to be doing and stuff and so now that we're able to work from home and you know have money we're buying that people are buying um i don't know what to call them but they're anti-gravity chairs and so these things require a larger contraption and so for myself um I'm going to be getting one of these. And so that factored into how I, I needed a room that would handle them. They're big. 
So is that anti-gravity room? Is that something that like NASA uses? I never even heard of that. What does that even look like? Oh, it's a, well, it's just, it has an out, outside frame and it's a, uh, um, the chair you kind of lay on it. It's kind of like, you know, but you, it can like sit up and it moves. And then you, then you have the screens on top. I think Roger Moore was in that, in the movie Moonraker, I believe. Uh, when he was, <laughs> he was spinning around. I mean, look, I, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I want one of those. I don't, I don't just to watch TV, let alone. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it makes all the difference. Oh my God. Okay. So, so does that mean, does that make you, does that allow you to, to basically sit in front of the, the monitor all day and, and do stuff? I mean, like literally, is it better on your back? I mean, I, I, better on everything. Wow. It's better. Yeah. Because uh, your, your body, your waist being even, uh, distributed in such that it's the least amount of pounds per square inch. And you can also then adjust it at different times to change where the weight's being pressed on. Wow. And so, you, you must have a, something like a supercomputer there, I assume. To, I mean, I mean what, what, what demands do you have in terms of the size of the, of the machine you have and the air conditioning? Because you're looking at so much data, right? Just sending over one CT scan is a ton of data. And, you're, and they're sending you CTs from all over the country. You got a storm until you can see them. What kind of, what kind of device do you need? How much? And, and who pays for all that? Yeah, it's... Uh... So the, the computers have actually decreased. Uh, they used to be, we used to have to do a lot of uh, storage. And now we're, we're, because of the cloud, we're able to uh, like not actually, you know, you know, as I said, I'm not a tech guy because there is a small amount of time where it, it does upload, but I don't think we're, you know, downloading the whole file. I, you know, I don't know how it works, but the computers are actually, I mean, we're still a really big tower. It's like one of those really big towers and it's got like probably 50 USB uh, things coming out of it. And well, not really 50. I think there's like probably 10 USB things. And then uh, I got three monitors. So you're charging, you're charging every device in the house at the same time while you're working. Pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> no, and I have to make sure I keep it unplugged when I'm not working. And all the, uh, the screens are actually the biggest thing because those are uh, mandated by a lot of states to be a certain level of resolution and a certain, you have to constantly be calibrating them. And um, they're about five inches thick. And, uh, they're, wow. you know, because, yeah, it's about two and a half feet tall, maybe three feet tall and about two a foot and a half to two feet wide so you're not going to best buy and picking one of these babies up <laughs> yeah no i think target carries uh the latest version <laughs> that's good stuff you know like, I, I i love tech and i consider myself a techie um every new gadget uh and i'm all over basically and so especially nowadays with most people spending most of their time at home anything that makes home entertainment that much more interesting the better i mean obviously i bought an oculus had it for you know had it for a couple of weeks and i was kind of done with it but it, it's just <laughs> yeah it's just because the thing is heavy just is on your head i mean i wish it was anti-gravity helmet right but it uh, that's we're not ready for that but i think more of the story is is that you know we're constantly mm. emerging our ourselves in a technology. We're constantly spending more and more time with technology in our lives. Um, we usually used to go, you know, to someplace like an office to, to get high tech. And now high tech is now in our homes. And you're, it's a perfect example of you, uh, of you having that. And so I'd like to think that things will just get better 
faster, cheaper, more efficient. Are you seeing that? Where do you think things are going in terms of technology and the advancement in your field? Um, Well, like I said, I'm bringing up the anti-gravity chair, not just, you know, teleradiology is uh, on the forefront of working from home. And yet now we're all working from home. And we're all tired of sitting at desks and a lot of people are using standing desks. And this is the next evolution as far as that goes. And I think that anybody that, you know, I think a lot of homes are going to be built differently. You know, you got to think if somebody's going to have a home office and they're going to be, no one's going to want to sit at a desk anymore. Not when you can have one of these things. And all you have to do is consider it, you know, in your purchasing of a house. So, so for me, for me, that, for me, that's the technological advancement. Um, you know, the big technological advancement since I've been doing this was, you know, just the bandwidth, the more, the faster and faster. So the faster you can send them, the faster they can be read. And then also the, the computer programs. When I first started, PAX was written by engineers, um, by focus grouping a bunch of radiologists on, on, you know, the things that they wanted. And then they had all these glitches and bugs and everybody had their own packs. And then, uh, you know, with the company I'm at now, they wrote it specifically with radiologists from the radiologist side. And so like, even that's three times faster than it used to be. Yeah, definitely. Technology is definitely almost catching up, catching up with, uh, with, 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 with day-to-day activity. They, they can just be replicated anywhere. Um, you're a perfect example of that. In, uh, you mentioned, made a good point that in 2020, everybody had to start working from home. And that included doctors. And I had a physical, which is, I don't know how they call it a physical. I mean, we go over blood tests and all that. But the truth is, I, I, you know, I'm not sitting in the guy's office. I feel like I'm getting gypped. I'm not, he's not checking my neck for, for nodules. He's not listening to my breathing. He's not, you know, looking in my ears. How long did it take doctors to buy in to what you're doing and realize the potential and not be concerned that you weren't in the hospital where he could walk over and talk to you? How long did it take them to buy into what you saw way back when as the future of telemedicine? That's a great question, Jamie, because there was a lot of pushback. Um, you know, even now, like, you know, some of the old school doctors don't like that idea that, you know, we're not in the hospital. Um, Have doctors bought in now? How much pushback are you getting now versus back then? Is it basically universally love telemedicine now, or or are you still fighting through the system? So the the people that use it on a regular basis, um, they love it now because as I said, all the kinks have been worked out. I feel honestly like, you know, I'm better connected to the uh, ER docs now than you know when I was in these hospitals. And like I said, we were reading for another hospital. Um, like now, it's it's just like they I was in the next room. Wow. So, in terms of the differences between you and your colleagues, I mean, do does do all radiologists read the, an X-ray or a film the same way? Is there any variations to how you read versus someone else? Opinion. Okay. Interesting. Cause I, cause you know, I was, I saw this show the other day and they're talking about fighter pilots and they were using AI to train fighter pilots. Right. And they were, they were kind of getting the sense that it, because of the mass amount of data and the reviews, they've able to articulate uh, a standard that's driven by AI of which new pilots get rated against as they train to, to, to be a pilot. I want is is AI is there an AI in your industry and and if so um, how do you think that will evolve over time and how we think it would be used? 
Um, yeah, there is an AI in our industry. Um, it's mostly right now used for um, the things that you could train a human to do in like a month or two, which is like finding breast nodules or lung nodules. Um, you know, uh, as far as the other stuff, there it, it'll it's slowly starting. You know, they're looking at it in different areas like uh, can't tumor um, detection and things like that. And it's, it's getting, it's advancing in that. But as far as like looking at a plain scan and at, you know, just seeing some subtle symptoms and determining based upon everything you see with the labs and, you know, your background, uh, we're still a way, long ways from that. And, you know, I'm not going to say never, you know, but at least 30, 40 years, but who knows how technology, technology advances. Well, you brought up a great point when you said the difference is opinion, right? Because I, I learned early on that the key to a good doctor is the one that can diagnose correctly. And basically, that's what you're doing for the doctor. You're looking at something. And just like you said, your experience allows you to see a subtlety that someone else might not see. With the evolution of telemedicine, is that allowing more people access to experienced senior radiologists like yourself? Or are there still barriers to 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 that equality opportunity in medicine well i'd like to look at that in two different aspects one you're now getting senior radiologists that are only three or four years out of residency they're becoming senior radiologists because the increase in the speed at which you can process the everything and the, the increase in number of cts that you go through i've seen more cts a year than probably a lot of my attendings saw in their whole career and so that in and of ourselves, we're making ourselves as humans, the new AI, you know, like we're, we're, we're able to detect the little subtleties of gray at a much quicker rate than, you know, in the past. And so there, there, that's allowing people to get much better reads from much, you know, more senior type radiologists. So that's one way to look at it. And then on top of that, um, there's a huge, there was a huge explosion and, you know, it's still, um, it's, it's now an industry of this overseas medicine. Um, you know, even like myself, I read for military bases as well as, uh, I do volunteer reads, um, for different organizations around the, the, the world. And, you know, there's the, you know, and th this is not just with the teleradiology, but the, um, for wealthy people all over the world, they, do medical tourism and with the radiology you just don't need to do that anymore and so yeah there are people that do uh allows people to buy buy access to radiologists from top schools who did the right training um and are very experienced and so hopefully you you know that leads to them getting a, a higher level of no that's great so you basically you can access the best radiologists from around the world from wherever you are that's awesome. Yep, and, exactly. And, and I, I imagine that kind of limits the pool, right? So if you got, if you have access to the best of the best of the best, um, the the guy that may not necessarily be as good may not get enough business, basically. So, right? I mean, yeah, you know, medicine's weird in the way that uh, normal business supply demand chains don't exactly apply. Um, you know, there's a lot of barriers to entry, a lot of regulations, a lot of different um aspects that uh come into how you know how you're going to get your doctor that uh is different than all other industries 
Wow. You know, so I, I want to say that, I mean, first of all, I love the fact that you're doing this. I have to say though, that I probably would not want to be in the basement um, looking at screens all day. <laughs> Myself. Don't worry. I wouldn't watch in the basement looking at my films either. I'll take Michael, but thank you. Right. No, you know, if, when you have to put, when you, when, when you want to put your lunch in the refrigerator and you got to put it in the cadaver room to, <laughs> to do that, it, it starts to become a problem. Yeah. Well, the good news is, you know, no one's going to take it. No one's going to eat it. <laughs> right. So, but it's not you know, all that, you know, it's not all that bad, right? I'm sure there's probably some really interesting things that you see. I mean, I can imagine, um, you know, that there are some really bizarre uh, and very interesting uh, you know, x-rays that you probably come across that may, some, may, may bring a little brightness to your day, I'd imagine. It's just, it always amazes me um, what a person who gets bored at home will end up doing. Let's just say that. <laughs> I look, look, I look, I to themselves. You know, you know, it's funny to because, themselves, exactly <laughs> to themselves, or, or what? Yeah, what thing? What what things people think would be interesting to find out what it's like to put inside of them. Right. Well, look, I mean, there's a lot. So between you and uh, an 18 year old um, in their basement playing, um, uh, playing Xbox and, and eating Hot Pockets. I mean, I think I think all of us have trained to one day um, uh, to be to do what you do to a certain extent. And the patience. I mean, look, I, I have to, I have a ton of respect because I think that not only are you advancing our understanding of how to use technology, but you're also understanding the future of you're you're expanding the future of work, right? And I think for the most part, as we now emerge out of COVID, people are realizing to themselves, man, you know what? I can I I can continue doing this for an extended period of time, and I'm not going back to work. I just need to make doing this more interesting and more comfortable. And it sounds like you've gotten some of that stuff figured out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, for me, it allows me to like, uh, just maintain my focus all night long. You know, in the hospital, you're constantly being interrupted. You constantly have people, uh, coming and coming and going. And so like being at home really gives me a chance to like, you, you ever play a video game and you get really, really into it and you're just in that zone. Yeah. That's, that's a little bit about how my night feels when I'm working. Nice. Well, it sounds like you solved some of the uh, comfort uh, problems. So you're able to do work longer. And it sounds like technology's allowed you to, uh, to enjoy the work you're doing better. And clearly, I, I, we have to thank you for what you're doing for the military, and for the maybe people less advantaged that you're reading is taking your spare time to do the job you do when you work is is uh, so it's tremendous character. Um, is there anything that you're missing that is keeping you from that going to the next level of telemedicine? Is there anything you see out there that you're waiting for, for someone to create to, to, for telemedicine to expand even farther along the chain from where you are up to the doctor? You know, it's all, it's everything right now that they're doing in medicine, they're following the blueprints of the people that had already done it. And so, you know, I mean, could there be something revolutionary? It, of course, you know, once we get to the end of following where, you know, we've gotten to, somebody will always look at something and figure out something new. But right now, every, you know, they're, they're spreading out to all the different fields of medicine using the kind of the same way it happened every time before. And is there anything that you can't see in the body or, or we, can we now see everything with one test or another? 
Yeah, I mean, if you consider, you know, tests outside of radiology that test for those things, you, you pretty much have tests for most things. I'm sure maybe there's something out there. Um, and yet, you know, right down to the molecular level, we can die to, you know, detect almost anything. And with, uh, I mean, even with radiology, we can get down to the cellular level, you know, with antibody, uh, tagged antibodies and stuff like that. Um, and find cancer cells and, you know, individual, you know, things like that. Well, believe me, I go to the doctor. I love it when the test is painless. An ultrasound or a CAT scan or an MRI. I love those tests because they're painless. You know, anything they've got to intrude in the body to check, that I don't enjoy so much. My, Mike, Michael, it looks like, uh, Jamie, you need a second opinion on something. <laughs> on, on, on life in general. <laughs> I need a third opinion on the yeah. second opinion. Yeah. So, Michael, look, look I want to thank you for the time that you spent with us today. I learned a ton. I'm probably going to go out and buy a zero gravity chair right away. <laughs> uh, but you know, I think that our listeners uh, would value and have valued this time together in understanding the future of work and through the lens of radiology and medicine. So thank you for the time. Thank you for your insight and love the work that you're doing and keep it up. And I second that completely. Thank you for taking the time. And again, thank you very much for what you do. You're on the cutting edge of diagnosis. And uh, that's the key to a lot of people getting better. So thank you. All right, I want to thank you guys for having me on. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to The Real Estate Podcast. Give us a quick review and rating on iTunes. Check out our website at therealestate.co. And let us know if there are any new topics you'd like to hear us address. We love hearing your feedback. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.